He is worthy. blessing and an honor to be in the house of God one more time. Amen. In spite of everything that is going on, God is still good. In spite of, God is still good. And nothing will ever change the fact that God is good. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, let's turn to the book of Psalms, Psalms 119. I'll be reading one verse. Psalms 119, reading verse 71. Psalms 119, verse 71. And it reads thus in our hearing. It is good for me that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. It is good for me, for me, that I have been afflicted, that I may learn your statutes. You may be seated. When I look at this text, I realize that if we read this text out of context, it will interfere with the theology that God is good. But if we ever read this text in context, it confirms the goodness of God. Amen. That if God ever leave us alone, how destroyed we would be. If we read this text in context, it will further let us know that the goodness of God is not accurately measured by how he makes us feel. Amen. You see, a lot of times we want to judge God based on how we feel. It may be about a situation, it may be about a circumstances, but this text causes us to see that God cannot accurately be judged by how we feel about what he does, about what he allows to come into our lives. You see, at our best, we are creatures of habits. The same, and we have habits that won't die easily. But there is a recognize that there is a process that God has to take us through 
in order for some of these habits that we have to die. Because unless these habits die, we cannot elevate to the next level that God wants us to get to that we may receive the blessings and the inheritance that God has in store for us. Throughout this chapter, the author conveys the thought that the Word of God contains everything that man needs to know. He repeats it so often that he uses ten different terms for the law or the Word of God. Truth be told, it doesn't matter what we think. We cannot grow without the word of God. And throughout this this chapter, the author is making it evident by how many times he keeps on repeating the word or the law of God. In verse 1, he's declared, he said, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. In verse 9, he asks and answers the question, how can a young man cleanses his ways? He responded to the question by saying, only by heeding the word of God. In verse 19, he said, I am a stranger in the earth. Hide not thy commandments from me. In verse 33, he said, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. In verse 37, he said, Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. In verse 57, he said, Thou art my portion, O Lord. I have said that I would keep your word. In 65 he said, Thou hast dealt well with thy servant, O God, according to thy word. And in verse 71 we hear him utter, It is good for me that I have been afflicted that I may learn your statutes. But when I look at the text, I realized that I had to, I can't start at verse 71. I have to back up a little bit to find out why is he making this declaration that it was good that I have been afflicted. And in verse 37, we see where he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I have kept your word. So I want to talk to you this morning on the title, The Blessing of Affliction. The Blessing of Affliction. What is affliction? You see, by definition, affliction is some kind of discomfort that is painful to endure, whether it is physical, spiritual, or psychological. 
And how could we ever call such thing good? Yet that is exactly what the psalmist did. He called affliction good. And I realize what the, what the psalmist is talking about. He's not talking about how it feels or how it looks. But he's talking about the end result that affliction produces. And without affliction, if God ever left us alone all by ourselves, we would get into some mess. We would get into so much trouble. But because he loves us so much, because he cares for us so much, he, he, he afflicts us to keep us in a place where we keep on crying out, we keep on reaching out, we keep on developing this relationship with him because in our affliction, we realize that we are nothing without him. I suppose that most modern Christian would what there's a there's a text when we talk about good. I see a correlation. As we say by definition, conflict is some kind of discomfort. And how could we ever call it good? But that is exactly what the psalmist says. When I think about Peter and the Mount of Transfiguration. Peter uttered, he said, it is good for us to be here. And when I look at what Peter says and look at what the psalmist says, most of us would trade places. We would rather have Peter's experience on the mountaintop where we talk about it is good rather than have the affliction that caused us to say, to reflect and say, it is good. But what we really need is the affliction that caused us to say that it is good. Because without the affliction that changed and rearranged some things in our life, the mountaintop experience won't last. Or the mountaintop experience won't mean as much. But when you have been through something, when you have experienced something, when you have experienced troubles, when you have experienced trials, when you have experienced tribulation, and you know without a shadow of a doubt that it is nobody but God, you can look back and reflect. And when you realize how far he has brought you, you can say, it was good for me. It was good for me, I realized that the psalmist was being personal. He wasn't talking about anybody else. He was talking about himself. I wasn't talking about you. I'm talking about me, myself, and I. I don't know what your experience... It's like he's saying, I don't know what you, where your experience has brought you. I don't know what you have seen. I don't know what he has done for you. But as for me... But as for me... But as for me, 
it was good that I was afflicted. Because haven't I been afflicted? Only God knows where, would I, where I would have been. But because God loved me so much that he refused to let me stay in the condition that I was in. Because he loved me so much, he had to find a way to get my attention. Because he loved me so much, he afflicted me so I could run to him, that I could run in his arms, that I could recognize that I need a deliverer, that I could recognize that I need a healer. So it was good for me. So it let us realize that affliction has a purpose. Affliction is really meant to kill us. Affliction is really meant to kill the flesh. It's really meant to kill our bad habits. It's really meant to kill our unproductive ways. It really meant to get us in alignment with the word of God. You know, the words say many are the afflictions of the righteous, but God delivers him out of them all. Many. Have you ever asked yourself the question, why are our afflictions many? Why are our afflictions many? Have we ever considered that it's because of the way we are by, 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 by nature? Is, is, have you ever considered that because of how much the old man constantly want to elevate himself? That our afflictions are so many to keep us at a place where we, are, where we recognize that we are in constant need of God? Is it perhaps because it helps us to stay at a place where we don't get big-headed, where, where we don't act like we have it all, that we constantly have this reliance upon God because only God can truly deliver us? So my question is, if God is trying to kill us, kill the flesh, why, and he's, we are constantly being afflicted because our afflictions are many, my question is, why are we so hard to die? Why are we so hard to die that God may have his way. There's a, there's, there's a song that we, um, that we sing in, in, in Jamaica. And it's, it's, it says, what, it asks the question, what a hard man to die. He, the song says they pick him up, they hit him back down, but he keep on bouncing right back. What a hard 
man to die. Perhaps that really paints a picture of us. And we are so hard to die. So hard to die to self. So hard to die to our pride. So hard to die to hatred. So hard to die to selfishness. So hard to die to everything that God is trying to destroy in us. Perhaps that song is a perfect picture of why many are the afflictions of the righteous. Perhaps that is why God has to keep on beating us down. But we keep, instead of dying, we just keep on bouncing right back. Because we think we are all that sometimes. Because we, we fail to recognize that without God, we are nothing. Because we fail to recognize that when we are weak, that's when we are strong. Perhaps it's because we refuse to be vulnerable before God that he may do what he desires to do in us. Why are we so hard to die? So good is not defining how it looks or how it feels. But oftentimes when we hear the word good, that is the first thing that we associate the word with, how it looks and how it feels. But I also want to let you know that all affliction doesn't work out for your good. All affliction doesn't work out for your good. You see, the affliction that works out for your good is the one that calls you to respond favorably to the word of God. But the one that comes and you keep on being rebellious, the one that comes and you refuse to die, it does not work out for your good. You remember Pharaoh and all the affliction that happened in Egypt? Did it work out for his good? You remember Saul and how the, the, the spirit that was on him, that was tormented him, did it work out for his good? Did, he, did they ever change their ways? So God's affliction is not for us to remain the same. God's affliction is for us to take heed to the word. God's affliction is for us to recognize that we are nothing without him. God's affliction is what transforms us. God's affliction is what draws us closer 
So affliction is not just used to break bad habits. It is also used for preventative maintenance. Paul said in, 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 first, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 6 and 7, about the thorn in his flesh. He said, for though I might desire to boast, I will not be a fool, for I will speak the truth, but I refrain, lest anyone should think of me above what he sees me to be or hears from me. He said, and least I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Here is a case where affliction came as a form of preventative maintenance. So you don't get big-headed. So you don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to. So God don't only afflict us when we are straying away from his word. But he also will allow affliction to come that keep us in line with his word. So we don't get bigger or believe we are bigger than who we really are. You see, affliction, I see where affliction taught the prodigal son. That perhaps it's better for me to be at home with my father. I see affliction in the book of Judges. That every time things got good, the people got away from God and did what they wanted to do. But when affliction came, they cry out to God. When affliction came, they were reminded that there is a God in Israel. When affliction came, they were reminded that he is a deliverer. When affliction came, they were reminded that he is their only keeper. When affliction came, they were reminded that he is the Almighty. When affliction came, it said all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. Love God. The scripture tells us that the love of God is the keeping of his commandment is the keeping of his word. And that is a reflection of whether or not we really love God. That is a true test of whether or not we really love God. Because fact of the matter, we can say anything. 
We can testify, we can say how much we love God, but the evidence, the evidence that you love God is walking in obedience to his word. You see, God loves his children so much that he is willing to do what it takes to keep us in line with his word. Even the things that are not pleasant in our eyes. But it's the love of God being poured out. So it is a blessing to be afflicted. It's a blessing to understand what affliction is doing. It's easy to look back and reflect after the fact and say it was good that I was afflicted. But in the midst of the affliction, can we see his hand? Can we see what he's doing? Can we have a spirit of gratitude? What will be our attitude in the midst of our affliction? Because all things work together for our good. But while it is happening, can we be thankful? Can we come to the place where we recognize and say, yes, Lord. Even though I don't see how it's going to work yet. But I heard you said in your word that all things is going to work out for my good. I don't see how this is beneficial right now. But according to what you have said, I'm going to agree with your word that all things I don't understand right now, but I'm, I'm going to agree in the midst of this situation that this also is going to work for my good. If we can get to that place where we recognize that, even in the midst of, we would have so much peace in knowing <laughs> that no matter how it looks, no matter how it feels, it, it, it's working. It, it, it's working. I don't see the result yet. I don't know when it's going to end. I don't know how long it's going to continue. But I know it's working. It's working. So I can find peace in the fact that it's working. So I can find rest in the fact that it's working. Because God is not a man that he should lie. And if God said that it is working, then I better best believe that it is working. It is working. It is working for my good. The psalmist looked back and said, it was good. I, I can just imagine Jesus looking back at what he went through all the way through to Calvary and said, 
It was good that I was afflicted. It was good for my body that I was afflicted. It was good for the church that I was afflicted. Because I was afflicted, salvation came. Because I was afflicted, salvation is free. Because I was afflicted, many are delivered. Because I have been afflicted, healing come. Because I was afflicted, peace came. Because I was afflicted, the Holy Spirit came. Because I was afflicted. I can just imagine him looking back and say, it was good. It was good. Even though there are times when it didn't feel good. But because I recognized what was happening, I was able to say, nevertheless, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Can we follow that same pattern as Jesus did? Can we use him as an example that in the midst of it all, even though it don't feel good, even though it don't look good, even though it might not sound good, but nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So can we say, afflict me, Lord? Can we say, afflict me, Lord, that your will may be done in me? Can we say, afflict me, Lord, that I may be more and more like you? Can we say, afflict me, Lord, that I may be transformed into what you are calling me to be? Can we say, afflict me, Lord, that your will be done? Affliction is really a blessing. Affliction is really showing you how much God really cares. Affliction is really showing us that he can't afford to leave us alone. Didn't he promise that I will never leave you? Nor forsake you? Is affliction one of those ways where he demonstrates that he hasn't left us? And he will not forsake us? It's a blessing to be afflicted. Anybody been afflicted lately? Anybody been afflicted lately? Anybody been afflicted lately? Are you allowing that affliction to work in your favor? Or are you being mad at God for allowing affliction to come your way? It's working for your good. He has your good interest at heart. It may not look like you want it to look. It may not feel like you want it to feel. But it's working. It's working. It's working for your good. Perhaps you don't know him. Perhaps you don't know him as your Lord and as your Savior. 
perhaps you can understand why I'm going through all this turmoil. Perhaps it's God trying to get your attention. Perhaps affliction is coming your way that you may cry out to him and say, Lord, I need you. I need you right now. Perhaps that affliction is causing you to see that you cannot make it on your own. Perhaps it's causing you to see that you need a savior. His name is Jesus. And he's afflicting you to get your attention. But if you ever respond favorably and say, yes, Lord, I hear you, Lord. Yes, Lord, I see you, Lord. Lord, tell me what you want me to do, Lord. I'm open to you, Lord. I'm available to you, Lord. Come in, Lord. He will come in and make his abode with you. So don't get all upset when you're being afflicted. Look deep within the affliction and recognize that there is a blessing in the midst of that affliction. God bless you.
How can he let these things happen to you? He's standing by. He sees everything you're going through. He's got a plan. 